Good morning and welcome to Christ Community Church Online Edition. Uh, we are thankful that you are tuning in this morning and we pray that this time of prayer and music and listening to the Word of God might be a blessing to you wherever you are this morning. If you haven't already, uh, the first song this morning is Work for the Night is Coming. That is the gathering song. So if you want to follow along with the music, feel free to pause this and click on that link to kind of get you centered in the space. As we do prepare to enter this space this morning, receive this blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and always. So we are continuing this week with our theme of everyday spiritual practices that we've been engaging for Lent. And our theme this morning is physical labor. As we kind of wrap our heads around that theme, we're going to start off with a poem uh, it's called A Prayer of Blessing for Labor Day. Bless the work of our hands, O God. Bless the hands that work the land, hands that move earth, plant seeds and harvest, hands with calluses and dirty fingernails, strong hands. Bless the hands that use machines, hands that drive cars, trucks and forklifts, hands on computer keyboards, capable hands. Bless the hands that make things, hands that manufacture and create, working wood and metal and plastic, practical hands. Bless the hands that clean, hands that wash, mop, and scrub, hands that know what to do with soap, determined hands. Bless the hands that make music and art, hands that play instruments and hold paintbrushes, hands that are creative tools artistic hands. Bless the hands that care for people, hands that cook and feed, heal and nurture, hands with a gentle touch, loving hands. Bless the hands that are generous, hands that give away money and food, hands that are always trying to be empty, Christ-like hands. Bless the tiny baby hands, bless the strong adult hands, Bless the hands that are folded in prayer. Bless the hands that are lifted in praise. Our hands do the work of your hands, O God, our Creator. Amen. At this time, if you are following along with the songs, I invite you to listen and if you want, sing along to the two songs of our praise set, For the Fruit of All Creation and Lord of All Hopefulness. Our prayer this morning comes from the Office of Social Justice. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the systems we have in place to test, monitor, and respond to the COVID-19 virus. We give you glory for the multitude of governmental, social service, and health agencies engaged in responding to the growth in cases. We thank you for the growing numbers of those being healed from the disease and we thank you for the comfort you provide the suffering. We pray for listening ears, that you would guide authorities in systemic responses and citizens in their individual measures, 
to protect against distortions and confusion. We pray for eyes to see, that suffering would be mitigated, and that we would recognize those in need of healing and lift them in care and prayer before you. We pray for hands to work in love, that our actions are not born out of fear, but of a surety of your heavenly authority and power. Shield us from isolation and draw us to work for one another. We pray for willing hearts that neither deny the need to act nor believe that our lives are ours to protect. Lord, you are our only comfort in this season, and we rest and work in your loving assurances. Amen. So this morning we have three scripture texts that we're going to read from. The first is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and I'm actually going to read on through verse 17. So Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Our second text is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. I hated all my toil, in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. And who knows whether they will be wise or foolish? Yet they will be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What do mortals get from all the toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain and their work is a vexation. Even at night their minds do not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and heaping, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a chasing after wind. Our final text this morning is 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 10 through 11. But we urge you, beloved, to do so more and more, to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we directed you. So this morning, we're talking about physical labor. And I mean that in the sense of cleaning or gardening or shoveling snow, even though we do that one less out here. But what I want to clarify is that we're not necessarily talking about your career, your nine to five job, even though for some of you, that might include doing some physical labor. Now there is a lot that could be said about how we do our jobs in a way that honors God, and that's a whole other sermon that hopefully I'll get to someday. 
But today I really want to focus on just those physical tasks that we do and the approach that we take to them. Now, I think if we're honest with ourselves and with each other, a lot of us might say we have kind of negative views about physical labor. When it comes to doing the dishes or cleaning the toilets, it's not our favorite thing to do. And if we were to think about it scripturally, we might even think that it's part of the curse, that this fall from the presence of God, of being kicked out of the garden, where it talks about now the woman will have pains in childbirth and the land will be hard. This makes us feel that work is perhaps a bad thing. It is a curse and we just have to deal with it. But our first scripture text this morning in Genesis suggests otherwise to us. This takes us back before the curse. This is right after God has created man and he puts him in the Garden of Eden, not just to relax, not to soak up the sun and eat apples all the time, but to till it and keep it. This was the first thing that God does with man, is he gives him work. And yet we also know that God had looked around at creation, had looked at everything, and had said, it is good. So work in and of itself isn't a curse. It isn't bad. But what I want to suggest this morning is that perhaps it is our view of work that has made it bad, that has made it evil, and that is part of the curse. As you remember, I had us read beyond just verse 15 this morning. And so as we go into verses 16 and 17, I think this will help us understand how our mind shift has changed from that of God. And the Lord commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. When I was first reflecting on these verses, I just kind of read them through as I always do. But as I sat with it, something in my brain kind of clicked of this is where the fall comes from. This is where that change in our view of work comes. See, man was put there to do work, to till and to keep the garden, and it was good. God said it was good. And man, in his initial season of life, trusted God and trusted that what God said was good, was good. But then comes this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve and Adam, they eat of it. And what changes is that they're no longer just trusting what God says is good, is actually good. They themselves start asking these questions. Is this good? Or is it perhaps evil? This work that we're doing, is this good work? Do I like it? Why am I doing it? Of what benefit? These are the sorts of questions that we see picked up by the writer Kohelet in Ecclesiastes. 
And this is that change that has been made of instead of simply just dwelling with God, simply enjoying his presence, finding joy in the earth, in the creation that he made, seeing creative acts come of their work, of when you till a garden, the flowers, the fruits, they flourish. But then you add in this questioning and that's where things start to go wrong. And that's where we do come to Ecclesiastes, where not only is the work difficult, but work has driven him to hatred and despair. Because he doesn't mention it, but I'm sure that some of the work he is doing, he does in fact benefit from. All of his work is not such that he doesn't see any benefit. And yet that is all that he can focus on. What I am doing, others are going to reap the benefits of. Things that I have toiled for under the hot sun, that I had to use my wisdom to understand how to make it flourish. Someone else who did none of that work and who might not even be a great person who might not desire any wisdom, they get to come along and receive the benefits of all of my hard work. And with that ability to ask those questions about good and evil, the writer in Ecclesiastes has decided, maybe that's evil. Maybe that is not great. And maybe because of that, I don't enjoy my toil. Why would physical labor be good if someone else benefits and I don't necessarily see any benefit myself? I think that is the struggle that we sometimes have today. I think we look at the things that we do and we wonder about the purpose. Even if we're not necessarily upset that someone else is going to benefit by us doing the dishes or by us cleaning the toilets. We're in the midst of it and we're like, oh, why do I have to do this again? Why do I have to labor away at things that don't necessarily bring me joy and that it's just going to be this cycle of cleaning and then dirtying and then having to clean it again? And we get so focused on what we're having to give up on our free time. Perhaps our muscles get sore from doing some of these tasks. And if we're honest, there's so many things we would so much rather be doing than dishes. And yet, that is part of life. These are the rhythms that we have to go through. So Lent, this whole series that we're focusing on, these everyday practices. We're already doing them. That's the beauty of this series. These aren't things that we have to add in. I would assume all of us have at least one thing in our life that we could classify as some physical labor that we would rather not do if we really had the choice. So it's already there. It's already present in your life. But what is your mindset about it? 
are you with the writer of Ecclesiastes in suggesting that you kind of despair about it? You let your heart be concerned about who else is reaping the benefits. You're tired of putting in energy, of feeling pain, of having to use all of your wisdom on things that someone else gets to come along and enjoy. Or are you working to see these as a gift from God? After his kind of venting session, which I can relate to very well, the author of Ecclesiastes works through his despair, but then he comes back to the beginning. He comes back to his creator, and he is reminded that this comes from God, as all things come from God. And if it comes from God, can it really be that bad? Or is there perhaps good that we are not seeing? But we have to find the enjoyment. The writer of Ecclesiastes isn't suggesting that the instant we remember that things like physical labor come from God, they're automatically going to be good and pleasing and enjoyable to us. No, we do have to work at that. But because it comes from God, it is possible for us to find joy. I have a couple examples that I would like us to kind of reflect on this morning as we think about that. And the first is a French monk named Brother Lawrence. And he came to popularity because he made a spiritual practice out of washing dishes. That was his task at the monastery. And as someone who does not have a dishwasher and is not the biggest fan of washing dishes, I can't imagine having to wash dishes for an entire monastery all day, every day. I feel like that would be a hindrance to me being able to focus on God. And yet he made the best of his situation. He said, I am here and I believe that God is everywhere. So I am going to use this time, this place, this labor, and I'm going to do it for God. And I'm going to use it as a practice of God's presence. I'm going to remind myself that God is here with me. And that is a beautiful practice in a couple ways. First, it reminds us of a good teaching about God, of that we do believe that God is everywhere at all times. And so for us to think that when we are in the kitchen at the sink, that maybe God isn't there, we are mistaken because he is everywhere. So for us to be able to say, here I am working away, and I want to practice being aware of God right next to me. And I'm going to seek his companionship. I'm going to converse with him as I'm tied up with these chores. And I'm going to find joy 
Because every moment in the presence of God can be a moment of joy, can be a moment to celebrate his love. It's also an opportunity to be reminded of his blessings. To even be able to clean dishes is a miracle when we think about everything that goes into our hands, that goes into our ability to hold the dish, to be able to add the soap and scrub away and then dry it. We're also reminded of the blessings of water and of cloth with which to clean and dry. If we look at these times of physical labor and we see them not just as something tedious that we have to do, but if we really search in those moments for the blessings of God, I think we will find them. The other example that I want us to reflect on is that of the Benedictine monks. Saint Benedict came up with these rules for his monastery, not in the sense of disciplinary rules, but guidelines for how they wanted to live. Now monasteries kind of in and of themselves represent a separation from the world. And yet Saint Benedict realized that God calls his followers to do more than just isolate themselves. But that in his work of constantly redeeming his world, God invites us to be a part of that. And sometimes that requires physical labor. It starts right away in scripture. We see Jesus, who was raised as a carpenter, going and calling not scribes and teachers, but for the most part, fishermen, those who know what it is to do hard physical labor. Those are who he calls to go out and do his work. And along the way, there is a lot of physical labor they engage in. Even just walking the distance that Jesus and his disciples walked would have been tiring. They also had to feed themselves along the way, and sometimes they were feeding crowds as well. Healing, we see that Jesus did it through physical touch. There are examples throughout Jesus' time and later through the new church in the Acts and the letters of these physical tasks that people did to support their neighbors. And that is what Saint Benedict challenged his followers to do as that is what Saint Benedict challenged the monks in his group to do as well. To seek God in their work, but to do that work for the good of those around them. Whether it be transcribing scripture in different languages or just making copies so that it would live on, or if it was cooking food for those who were poor, or building housing 
for those who were out in the elements. There are so many things of physical labor that can be of great benefit. When I was growing up, the youth group that I was a part of, we would do spring break and summer work camps. And those were some of my favorite times. Because even though the days were long and you would come home with cuts and bruises from hitting your hand with the hammer or dropping that piece of wood on your foot, the sense of joy and fulfillment that came from seeing that family whose house we just patched up so that they could live in it again. That was catching. That gave us joy. And it reminded us that we were made for this. We were made to do work. And that it doesn't always have to be an evil burden. And that even other people receiving the benefits of our work doesn't have to be viewed negatively, but that there can be great joy. And I think part of that is because not only were we created for work, but that God himself also finds joy in work. Scripture tells us we are made in God's image, and God is a creator. Not only do we have that clearly spelled out in Genesis, but if you go through the Old Testament and some of the metaphors that are used, we talk about God as a potter or as a midwife bringing something new into the world. These are acts of work, and yet it is how we automatically think of God. And if we are made in his image, then it only makes sense that we too would be driven to engage in acts of work. Our task is to find the joy in it. Our last scripture text this morning is just that simple reminder to the church in Thessalonica, but we urge you, beloved, to do so more and more, to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we directed you. It might seem common sense. It might seem as if it didn't warrant space in a letter that would have had to travel so far to reach this church. And yet, I think it is the perfect summary for our thinking about work, because it brings us all the way back to Genesis, to that original mandate to till and to keep. We in the church, I think, are often really good at overthinking things. We like to debate, we like to discuss, we want to research, we want to have sources and we want to pray about it. And these things aren't bad. These things can be good, they can enhance our knowledge and they can help us draw closer to God. But we don't have to look only in that direction. We don't have to go seeking God elsewhere because God is already present with us right where we are. 
even if that is the kitchen sink or the garden plot out back. I think the challenge for us this Lent is to simplify, to remind ourselves, as we talked about last week, to simply be grounded right where we are, right here, right now, and know that God is with us and to strive to take joy in whatever we are doing in that present moment, even if it is physical labor. Then I would challenge us to even go one step further and in the midst of that labor to find a way to offer gratitude to God. Anyone who has struggled with an injury knows what it is like to not be able to do something. To know the struggle of even just trying to pick up a plate. So when we celebrate those things that are in our ability to do, we are changing the way our mind focuses. Are we stuck on the negative, on what we can't do, on what we don't want to do? Or are we celebrating all of the things that God has given us? Are we letting ourselves be filled with his grace and his love so that we can then do acts of physical labor that are then going to benefit our neighbors whom we are called to love as deeply as God does? Now, because it's Lent, it wouldn't feel right to not talk about the Gospels or Jesus at all. And so that's where I want to end this morning, is simply reminding ourselves that the work that we do, it is not to earn God's love. It is not about earning forgiveness because Jesus has that covered. As we are journeying through Lent, we are following Jesus' journey towards the cross. We are heading towards that day on Easter when we remember that he rose from the grave and that he conquered sin and death. He offers to us that grace as a gift. And no work we do, no matter how well we do it, can earn that for ourselves. So as we're reflecting on the physical labors that we do, don't make the mistake of putting that before grace. Grace comes first. But out of that grace, when we truly incorporate it, we will find that we can set aside things that might keep us from work. When we truly know that we are forgiven and that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus, we can stop worrying about how to chase after God because we'll know that he's already right here. When we truly in our hearts embrace how much God loves us, We'll be willing to set aside the worries we have of what if someone sees us doing this physical labor. We won't worry what we look like when we're cleaning the toilet. 
We won't worry about getting dirt under our fingernails from gardening and getting perhaps a smudge on your face. Because we know that through it all, God loves us and his love is enough. When we truly incorporate God's grace into our lives, we will find that joy in everything comes easier because we no longer have to worry that the dominion of sin and death is going to win. We might still see bits of darkness, but we know that at the end of the day, Jesus has won. And it is our blessing to be able to proclaim that to everyone in the world. And one of the best ways that we can do that is through faithfully working at those physical tasks before us. Through lovingly serving those who have physical needs. Jesus came to earth as a human because it is not just our spirits that are important. God cares about the bodies that he created us in. And so how we use those bodies is important. It might not always feel good, but I truly believe that if we seek it out, we will be able to find joy in all of the physical labors that we do. We just have to remember that God is there with us and that he loves us so much and that that work can be a blessing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these bodies which you have given us. Lord, we know that our bodies do not always work the way that we want. They don't always do the things we want them to do. And yet, Lord, we pray this morning that your spirit would help us remember that they are a gift and that the things that we can do with our bodies, however limited those things might be, that each and every one of them is a blessing from you and that you have given us the great opportunity to use these bodies to serve others, that they might see your love. Lord, as we go through this Lenten season, help us know that you are never far from us, but that in every second of every day, no matter the task before us, you are by our side, loving and encouraging us. And Lord, we lift this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. If you are following along with the songs, our song of response is Take My Life and Let It Be. Otherwise, as we prepare to leave this time together, receive this blessing from God. May the Lord of all compassion satisfy you in the morning with his steadfast love, so that you may rejoice and be glad all your days. May the favor of the Lord our God be upon you, and may the work of your hands prosper. Amen. 
Our closing song is So They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Love. As you go through this week, we pray that you will find new ways to seek community. And if there's any way that the church can be of support in that, please do not hesitate to call or email.